When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Using pre-planned lines on dating apps to start conversation does not work generally for women because we have a sixth sense. We have like a sniff test. We can tell that those lines are maybe lines that you got from a YouTube pickup artist dude or you even maybe came up with that on your own, but now you've used it for every single girl over and over and over. It's like that saying, Give a man a fish and he'll eat for a day or teach a man how to fish and he'll eat for a lifetime. Give a man a pre-written line and he'll date for a day. Teach him how to banter and he'll date for a lifetime. Or maybe not a lifetime because you'll find the one right away and then you'll stop dating and you'll just be married. But you know what I mean. I am Kristen from kristenandchill.com and I am the banter queen. I teach guys how to charm more than just the socks off of women. And if you're struggling in conversation, if you're getting ghosted, if you're never hearing back, if you're never ever getting the results that you deserve, hit me up at kristenandchill.com. Want to know the hidden meaning behind what women say and do? Then check out the Chictionary. It's the Wing Girl Methods manual that gives you a full rundown of all the things women say that confuse men written in dictionary format. Go get a copy of the Chictionary by going to winggirlmethod.com slash chick. That's winggirlmethod.com slash chick. Coming up on this week's episode of the Ask Women podcast, we have Dante Nero on to talk to us about being smooth with women and making them feel safe. Making women feel safe is such a massive part of the process in dating, seduction, all of that stuff. So you guys really want to keep listening and you also want to keep listening because Dante has so much wisdom and so much to take from his life experience as being Yes, not just a comedian, but a male stripper. So this is a really interesting episode. So keep listening. Hey, you guys, welcome to another episode of the Ask Women podcast, the podcast where you get real advice straight from the source, women, which I'm going to get into with our guest in a second, because he says... If you want to learn how to date, don't go to the deer, go talk to the hunter. But I've got some beef with that. So we're going to talk about that (laughs) in a second. Marnie's not here today, but that's okay. You guys know I can hold down the fort pretty well. So we've got Dante Nero, who's a comedian and the host of the awesome podcast, which I'm sure you've listened to before, Man School 202, which is dating advice, life advice, all sorts of things that you guys can use to elevate yourself. Relationship advice. Relationship advice. So... Dante, hey, thanks for hanging with me today. Awesome, awesome. We had a ball last time when you came on and did my podcast, so y'all can check that out, Kristen Cameron. We had a ball. We did. It was easy like a Sunday morning, right? It was. Oh, my God. If oh, I wish every morning was a Sunday morning. <laughs> you were awesome. Your crew was awesome. I had tons of fun. So I want to talk yeah. to you about your podcast, Man sure. School 202. But before I do, I want to know more about you and how you got to what you do. Because we talked about me on, on your podcast, so now we've got to... Right, right, right. Spin it around the other way. Even, okay. yeah. 
Right. So I went to college and, well, put it like this. Let me start out first. I was a very scary kid. I was afraid of everything. My dad was super overprotective and he was like, don't go out, don't play out in the street. Don't do this. Don't ride your bike out on the, you know, just, so I was always very scary and I really got afraid of being afraid. Yeah. I think I was just tired of being afraid. And I was trying, I was, I was probably like 13, 14 years old. And this, I think this was a real, two things that I learned at that age was one was that fear exists between when you're confronted with the opportunity and how long you take to access the opportunity. So like, for instance, I was afraid to talk to girls. And so what would happen is you go to a party, you'd see a girl you want to talk to, you wouldn't talk to her. And then that is the time when you walk in and you see her and you decide that you like her is the opportunity. And every minute that you procrastinate doing that, it takes you further and further away from you actually to fear bills until the fear is paralyzing. And so what I realized at a very young age, which I think is pretty cool, I was thinking about this at 13, that fear exists between the time that the opportunity presents itself and you actually access the opportunity. And so my my hack, my life hack was as soon as something came into my mind, I was challenged, I would act on it immediately. So the fear, before I even had time to be afraid, I was already moving to this chick girl. Like I remember going to dances and walking in, seeing the girl I wanted to dance with, going right over, and I was like, do you want to dance? And she would go, yeah, sure. And i go, okay, I got to check my coat. Let me check my coat, and I'll be right back, because I would <laughs> just walk in and do it. And what, what happened after time, you realize that you realize that you have more control over how people perceive you and what they do in the first place. And so just by doing that, accessing it, it got easier to do it. Then the other thing I realized that there were a lot of great qualities I had, even as a young, you know, as a teenager and stuff, but I couldn't execute those, those qualities unless I was in my comfort zone around my friends and stuff. And my, the other thing as a kid, I was like, how can I make the world my comfort zone? And the only way I could do that is I have to keep pushing past, pushing my boundaries, speaking to people, getting into conversations, making mistakes. And that, Ultimately, my world became bigger because I pushed the boundaries out. So fast forward, I go to college. I pledge a fraternity. I'm a Q-dog, which is like the wild, like the animal house dudes of, mm-hmm. of black fraternities. And <laughs> I was kind of something to do, but I was kind of my own person already. And I did my first strip show, Mail Review. They did a Toys for Tot thing, and each fraternal organization was represented and some one in, in our in my frat backed out the last minute, and they asked me to fill in, and I was like, "Bet I'll do it." And I'd never done it before. And we, the first time I did it, I stripped in front of I don't know, it was like five hundred women. It was crazy. I mean, never did it before. It was insane. <laughs> Wait, was this toys for women or toys it was for toys children? Toys for tots, and they did a <laughs> yeah, but they did a mail review, and all the money went to Toys for Tots, which is insane. Amazing. Right? Quick mix, right? <laughs> and then I always wanted, I always felt like I could do this and I could make some money in college. You go to college, I'm eating boiled eggs and ramen noodles, and I mean, we're all broke and hungry, and this was an opportunity to make money. And then somebody brought a review up to one of the local discos. I went to SUNY New Pulse. So it was a place called Joe's up in SUNY New Pulse. They brought a strip show there. 
And the guy who, the guy, a bunch of guys, it was supposed to be another fraternal thing. Guys backed out, so they had to hire pros. So it ended up being me and two pros. One of them, which was a friend of a guy who I grew up with in Brooklyn. When I got home from college, I hooked up with this dude, and he he had a couple of clubs running, and then I started doing that. So the crazy thing about that is that business you have to understand how women perceive attraction. If you don't understand that, you can't make money. I mean, yes, it's muscles and this, but for women, it's so much more involved. It's so much more detailed. It could be the way you point your toe <laughs> that makes gets that. And you have to be observant that the devil's in the details and the nuance. And so I got really good at that. I got really good at understanding how women think about attraction, what they perceive, what is actually the case, even though it's not what comes out their mouth. I did that for 10 years. And then... You stripped for 10 years. 10 years, 10 years, maybe 12. Yeah. This is like Chippendale style, like legit stripping. Well, I actually did get recruited for Chippendales, but at the time, Chippendales would not let a Black man be the lead character. So I was making money independently at independent shows. They, I got recruited for them. Are they anti-big dongs? You would think they yeah, want I, the black I, guy as the lead. I don't know, but that's how it was. <laughs> it was like, well, not, they would not put a black dude on the billboard. It was like, you know, wow. we're talking about 90. Right. So I turned it down. I had a contract with them. I turned it down and I said, I'm, I'm making more money independently. And so there were a series of promoters that like in the 90s, you couldn't have a party without you would have a male stripper and a female stripper. Every party had that, like entertainment. That's why everyone loves the 90s. <laughs> I was fucking, it was insane. <laughs> I was very close with all the female strippers as well, of course. And I was fucking most of them. Cause it was just We were just one big happy family. It's the law. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't want to lose my license. Right, yeah, you had, <laughs> it's just part of the deal. I didn't want to get suspended. And I had a really, I kind of was a, a like a good dude, like too good at times. But I, I always felt like my father was like, you give your word, you keep your word. If you don't do that, everything else falls. And I didn't really understand that concept at the time. But it, it's interesting because it comes back again later. And a guy at the time, this is crazy Rudy Giuliani, was running New York. He decided he was going to clean up 42nd Street. You look at the old, like the deuce, was the porn areas. And this was before the Eminem and the, you know, the crock store on. <laughs> it was just sleazy. This is dirty, though. Yeah, at strip shows and peep shows. And he started by enforcing the extringent vice rules over. You couldn't be, if you were naked, you couldn't be but so many feet from somebody's face. And if you were nude, there was no alcohol. It was just like insane. And if you had any business, your business had to be 40% other. So you literally had an influx at that time of comedy clubs that was had a comedy club on one side and a strip club on the other side. Oh my God, that's so funny. See, I would go to the male side of the club just for the comedy, because I find male stripping <laughs> to be the funniest shit ever. Okay, so talking about the stripping stuff, it's interesting. Marnie and I have done about 400 episodes. We've never talked okay. about, about stripping, really, or male strippers right, right. Or, or anything. So what I want to know from you is, what was it that you learned that women liked being in that environment? Because you're like, you know, I learned what women liked, what turned them on, and right, da -da -da. Right. so what was it exactly that you learned? So 
it's interesting because on my podcast, it's evolved to the point where I've really started talking about what I call the subtext. There's a subtext to everything that you do. Like what you're thinking, it eludes through your pores, through your posture, through your tone of your voice, through the cadence of your voice, your facial expressions, your eyes, your gestures. It exudes. And so there's a, if there's a lack of confidence, that is exudes in the subtext, whether or not you think you're hiding or not. It's like a poker tell. So there's always this subtext. So for instance, like if you're walking with a young lady and you're on a date and all of a sudden she's talking and a car comes and you put your hand and you, that little gesture. That's like my move. Not that I do it because I'm the woman, but that's my favorite move is if a car is coming and you, and you kind of, you know, take her by the waist and you just gently move her to the other side of the sidewalk. That's like the move. Right. Now, let me ask you this. Why is that? Like, Why do you like, is it just a visceral feeling? Or I guess what I'm asking is, do you understand the subtext? The subtext to a woman is this guy makes me feel safe. He makes me feel taken care of. And so you get some touch in there at the same time as some emotional anchoring and boom. Now here's what's interesting even more than I'm going to go even deeper than that. To one-handedly do it, Mm. it says that I'm so comfortable that I have control over this situation that I don't even have to put two hands. I love that. The other thing is I care about you. Even though you're running, you're yapping your mouth, I care about if you're okay. So mm-hmm. I'm not going to see something happen and leave you swing. So all of these really deep subtexts are touching you as a woman on a visceral level. It literally touches all these things to the point where it you almost can't explain it like to articulate it is difficult but it's an instant feeling of safety and attraction and sexuality and the fact that there's a confidence where he can do it with one arm he's not even making a big thing about it it's just it's just what mm-hmm. i do i dodge bullets all the time it's just i don't make a big thing about it. i mean doesn't everybody dodge bullets right that, you're superman yeah not a big deal and that subtext is what and honestly and you can't really fake that because it's such a small gesture you can't really fake it you're right and if you do fake it then what happens is you get a woman that's into you for all of these things that you're supposed to be and you're not now she's got buyer's remorse and she resents you because you said you was this guy and you lied. You're not. You're not that guy. You're something else. You're a piece of, and you don't even think, I, you know, I say this all the time. If you're five foot four and you tell everybody you're five foot five, it's because you think five foot four is not good enough. You think, and it, it's, they don't understand the subtext is that in my, the entirety of me as a man, the one, if I was just one inch taller, I would be good enough. And so if your sub, if that subtext is to a woman that I'm not good enough, even if she doesn't understand the articulation of it, she's going to go, well, who knows him better than he knows him? I just met this motherfucker, but he don't think he's shit. Who knows him better than him? He must not be shit. The only right. better thing than that is his mama telling you. And he ain't shit. You know? But <laughs> if he's telling you for himself, man, it's like it's such a powerful thing. And guys don't understand that they're they're communicating the subtext of this 
inadequateness and lack of confidence and lack of readiness and, and even an overcorrection. You know what I mean? An overdoing and an overcorrection, all of that reveals to what the, where the deficiency is, you know? So what's an example of something that would be overcorrected? Is it like if you don't have enough confidence, then you're overly arrogant? Is that what you're saying? Or a guy that's fighting all the time. Yeah. Like a guy, oh, you suck the, blah, 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 blah. that's like some clown ass shit. Yeah. Because when you really know how to, you, you size the person up, you see if there's a threat, if there's a threat, then you knock the motherfucker out. You don't yell. But so how sexy is it if some dude is barking or you said that he keeps bothering me? I say, look, man, you have some respect for my lady, please. And just move on, right? Fuck you, blah, 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 bang. And I knocked the dude out cold. We go to the coat check and then we head home. How long is it going to be before you sucking my dick on the way home? <laughs> you can't even count that low. Can we go negative, <laughs> seconds negative? It's already happening. She's going, oh, oh my God. I mean, think about how that affects you. Oh my God, they, such comp fear and then this confidence and then this, uh, you just blew my mind and then you didn't even react to it. You didn't, you didn't dance in the end zone. We got, let's get our coat. We get our coat. We need to get out of here. Yeah, you got too much going on to be able to dance in the end zone. You've got, you've got shit to do. There was a, right. a date that I went on and the guy, he was really cute, just as attractive as they come. Mm-hmm. He ended up being gay. And I kind of, right. I feel like I turned, I didn't turn him gay. I mean, maybe I did, but I gave him permission to be gay because we went out a yeah, couple of yeah, times yeah. and he kind of professed that he like wouldn't mind dudes. Dude. So I was like, then do the, you know, I just, but anyway, on this date, the first date we went on, which I didn't know he was into dudes, which is kind of an insult to me. That's maybe why he was into me. He's like, she has no boobs. I'm into it. You know, like, it's like, okay, that's not very flattering. Right. But right. on our <laughs> first date, <laughs> on the first date, this guy, came up and was flirting with me as we were sitting at a table. And his reaction was so unsmooth. It was so overcompensating because this guy kept coming up and talking to me. And so the one I was on the date with, he got really angry. Like it was almost like a vein was pumping up his forehead. And he was like, can't you see we're on a date? You know, and it was really awkward and really lame. Was this guy, was the other guy being... A dick about it or he was he, like he kept coming up but did he know was it evident that you were on a date with this guy or no? yeah yeah oh, we were so sitting together at night with like a cam you know it was a bar slash slash mm-hmm. restaurant but we're sitting with just drinks with a candle on like a saturday night you know oh, okay. what else are we doing i mean we could be talking shop about i don't know yeah. football or something but right, we're on right. a date. so his reaction to me was so gross because it wasn't what you did, which is this one-handed kind of yeah, kind of idea. Even though physically he didn't have two hands on it. It was like he had right. every single hand yeah. on it. It was too heavy, yeah, yeah. too yeah. overdone. But if he was like, listen, man, we're on a date. Would you mind? Give my lady some space. Instead, he got really angry and like tried to act really tough. Yeah, yeah. Overcompensating. Yeah. What's interesting is how you even, like when you are describing it, the metaphors that you use it about how it's just his hands were all over. It's just how could I be safe with this guy? So what I would respond to that, I would be, I would say, Kristen, are you interested in this dude? And you, I'm on a date with you. Yo, get the fuck away. But when you take that stand, the next thing when the guy goes, who the fuck? Are you? 
there has to be the action behind that. When you see this kind of confrontation, I always say nobody really wants to smoke. So you say something, I say something, you say something. We're both looking for an on off ramp, right? But we also know that at the top of this, right, there could be some physical interaction if that need be, if neither one of us back down. But we're all looking for an, an off ramp because nobody really wants to smoke. I just have the perception to see where it's going to go, that ultimately that physical act is at the end of this. So I'm just cutting out the steps. I'm going, listen, stay the fuck away. Um, I hurt you. Now, if he's not ready for the level that I was at, they go, yo, I'm out. This is uncomfortable. You didn't let me get my 12 steps in because the preparation is to jump off. But to the same token, the conciseness, again, even that's a subtext to the woman. It says, I am decisive. I am clear and decisive what my objective is. When you get in, in a car with an Uber guy and if he can't pull out into the traffic, you are scared to death the whole time. How can that be enjoyable? Whereas you see somebody and they whip it and they get you there 10 minutes early, you go, oh, there's a comfort to them. They know what they're doing. Yeah, yeah. There is a comfort to that. And I always say, especially with the guys that I work with, safety equals sexy. And guys yeah. don't really understand that. But I want to talk more about that in one second. We're going to take a break. And uh, when we come back, we're going to, hit on, no pun intended, safety. So we'll be right back. Another day is here and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America NA, member FDSE. Life can be hard. Life can be daunting. You could be struggling with mental health issues. You could be struggling with loneliness. You could be struggling with grief. You could be struggling with adjusting to life post-COVID. If you are, there's help. You don't have to do it alone. And if you're like a lot of people and a lot of men, you probably think, eh, I can handle it. It'll be fine. I'll get through it on my own. But if you actually seek help, you'll find out, whoa, I actually really couldn't do that on my own. And support is necessary. So if you're struggling, talk to someone. And BetterHelp is here to talk to you. I want you to start living a happier life today. So as a listener, you'll get 10% off your first month by visiting our sponsor at betterhelp.com slash askwomen. Join over 1 million people who have taken charge of their mental health. Again, that's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash askwomen. If you listen to the Ask Women podcast, then you are already miles and miles and miles ahead of other men when it comes to attracting and getting the girls you want. But I must confess, there's one missing piece in the puzzle. And that's flirting or the ability to ignite sexual chemistry with any girl you meet in a matter of minutes. Most guys suck at flirting. They can't flirt their way out of a paper bag. But as your personal wing girl, I can't let you be one of those guys. That's why I want to show you the most effective step-by-step formulaic approach to flirting with any girl you like. This formulaic approach has been tested on thousands of girls and has been proven to work like magic. Yes, magic. You just apply the formula and see results instantly, and it's that powerful. 
To find out everything about this flirting formula, all you have to do is go to winggirlmethod.com slash flirty. I've made a special video for you where I reveal what this formula is all about. Go to winggirlmethod slash flirty and you'll find out all about it. Okay, welcome back. We are with Dante Nero from Man School 202 and we're gonna talk quickly about safety, making a woman feel safe and secure. But then I want to talk to you about that deer versus hunter mentality and do a little debate with you. So what else can guys do to make women feel safe? As a girl, as a woman who's dated, I'm not going with a guy. I'm not going to hook up with him. I'm not going to talk to him unless I have a level of safety. But the fine line is over safety. And this guy I was chatting with, I didn't really have that much of a sexual intent with him. It's just a nice guy. Mm I had a banter session scheduled. I teach guys how to banter. And I was out with this guy and I forgot, oh shit, it was around lunchtime. And I said, I have another session or I have a session that I'm supposed to be doing right now and I can't cancel it. So he was so nice and he walked with me and held my coffee while I was doing my session, which was too nice. That like, it didn't make me feel safe. It made me feel coddled. There's a difference. Yeah, it was like a gross, like have some respect for yourself. So what's that middle ground between that overbearing, like putting your fists up to scare the other men away and then the too much there for you? Here's what's interesting. You could tell that story. It could be a different guy and you wouldn't feel a guy carrying your coffee and walking with you. It could still not be gross, depending on what the intent, the original intent was. See, the action is not the thing that disgusts you. It's the the original intent attached to the action. Yeah. So if I meet a girl and there was an argument or a fight and I met her in the context of the fight, maybe she was in it, like that doesn't disqualify her, but that definitely puts a check down for me. Okay, then... I'm talking to her and she's talking, she said, oh, this bitch, I'm in the car with her and she's screaming out the car, this road rage, that's checked too. So we put Mm -hmm. the pieces together, but you got to pay attention. You're so right. So I'm going to give you a a scenario is if this guy, you were talking to this guy and he goes, what do you do? And you go, and you go, wow, that's amazing. I really want to talk to you about that. And you go, well, I got to do this session. I said, how about I grab your coffee? You finish whatever you got to do. And then I spend some time because I want to get to know you. There's a whole different subtext to that. Yeah. That I'm interested. And even to say, listen, and if you're not into it, it's totally okay. Right. That's another thing. It's funny because when you were talking about safety, there has to also be the safety to eject if I want to eject. Yeah. If I don't want to be here and I think that you're going to physically, that's not safe. The doors and the windows got to be open. Right. But there's also got to be a little sense of danger but not literal. Right. Listen, you want to know that, look, if I make the wrong mistake and I'm going to get fucked, if I leave it open and be reckless, he's going to fuck me. So he's not going to cover me up and put me to bed and kiss me. Exactly. Yeah. Call me on my shit. Yeah. Like if that guy I was out with had said something like, you know, playfully teasing me about not being good with my schedule or how could I screw up like that? Or just to tease me a little bit of, oh, you double booked me? How could you double book me? I'm too good to double book. You clearly don't know how dope I am. I don't know. I don't know what kind of bullshit you get ready to do, but you fucking this up right now. Even that kind of playfulness. 
And if he had said that, but then held my coffee, it would have been better. Yeah, that's because you're balancing it. Right. And so people go one extreme or the other. And so, right, it's that balance. So if he had said something about calling me out and then carried my drink, okay, he's calling me on my bullshit. Women want to be called on their bullshit and guys just coddle and coddle. And so you've got that perfect balance, it seems. Yeah. I think what happens is the intent, my intent is to enjoy your company, enjoy you, and to also bring something to your life, enhance your life in any way that my personality does that, but not at the risk of my own self-respect. I do the one-on-one consultation, consult dudes and stuff. And when they consult with me, I would tell them to do things. They wouldn't do it. And I would drop them as a client. I go, your money is not more important than my personal integrity because you're not going to be this guy who didn't succeed and then you didn't succeed because Dante told me some bullshit. You're not worth my integrity. Or I'd be out on a date and someone go, you sure you're not lying? I go, listen, I don't lie. And the fact that you're asking me if I'm lying is insulting. So let's be clear. If I tell you something that comes from a truthful place, and if you continue to question that, then you won't ever even have an opportunity to find out if I'm a liar. You won't even get that. And that in itself is because the intention comes from a place of, I know that I bring value to somebody else's life. But the only way you can bring value to somebody else's life, you actually have to make an effort to do that. If it ain't true, you can't believe it. You can fake it. And women are so perceptive to the bullshit because the bullshit is, listen, your inability to perceive danger could mean your life. Men never have to concede with that or they never have to deal with that on any level. And that, not even thinking about that, is the lack of empathy that makes you feel comfortable. You have to understand that what's underneath of what's really right underneath of what you're saying. If you're, please, can't you say I'm on a date? Of course he saw you was on a date. That's why I was doing it. It was evident. So to ask him the question that you know the answer to, also, it's a bitch move. I know what you're doing. She's not interested. Keep it moving. Right. To scope, can't you see where, even that, there's a subtext to, You already know that this dude is being disrespectful. Yeah. The whole theme of this episode so far feels to me like, don't be a bitch. And not in a girl sense, but in a guy sense. Don't be a little bitch. Right. Don't be a little bitch in the sense that you overcompensate and don't be a little bitch in the sense that you undercompensate. It's interesting because I just did a podcast with a guy who's a theater dude and he's like a really kind of soft dude. And he played a person in a play, which like a big Italian, oh, 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 like super <laughs> macho aggressive. And this girl who was way hotter than he felt like he should deserve was hitting on him, but she was hitting on the character that he was playing. Right. And then when he came out and he put his glasses on and he was <laughs> like, oh, it's so good to meet you. Right. And then you could just see her face. Oh, you're not him. But she was like, oh, he's famous. He's in the play. So she's still pursuing it. And he said this, he said, listen, if you're looking for a guy who's going to not care about your feelings and treat you like a piece of shit, that's not who I am. Which that in itself is the thing that makes him again attracted to her is the fact that he's willing to be himself at the risk of being turned away. 
That's always the default. I think just being comfortable with yourself, even if yourself is the nerdy dude who plays video games, yeah. being comfortable with that is amazing. Yeah. There's this guy that I'm friends with. We had kind of known each other for years, but he's going through some paraphernalia that his mother had left behind. She had passed away. And mm-hmm. it was like Pez dispensers and Popeye dolls and all this kind of like nerdy stuff. And he said when he was a kid, he would never let anyone in there to see that. Because she had right. all this stuff. But now right. that he's an adult and he doesn't care, he likes right. to show it off. This is yeah. his world. This is where he came from. But it took him years to get to that place. But if you can fast forward and get to that place before 20 years pass, yeah. Yeah, you're going to yeah. be in a, in a better place. So I want to talk to you about this. If you're trying to hunt deer, ask the hunter, not the deer. Okay. It's, if you want to hunt deer, you ask the hunter, you don't ask the deer. So that was really my decision about whether or not you should take relationship advice from women. Now, there is a caveat. Go ahead. Go ahead. Say what you're going to say. Well, that's the total antithesis of our show. So I have to completely discredit what you're going to say, even though I'm sure you'll make great points. But you don't. You don't have to discredit it because (laughs) what it ultimately is, is a general rule. But because of who you are and because who Marnie is, you can't make the rule by the exception of the rule. And see, I said that to actually, I said that to Marnie when she did my show as well. She basically said, absolutely, I agree with you. But what I'm really saying is, if you are the deer, and this is not something that you have to be concerned about, how to get women, how to teach the subtext, why would I listen to you? Now, if you are a person who studies this, who's looking into this, who's actually has a general interest in understanding, then of course you are the exception to the rule. If you're a lesbian that bags more chicks than anybody else, I can have a conversation too. (laughs) But the real point is, why would I give anybody an opinion who hasn't even invested the amount of time that I've invested in to do it? Now, I'm not saying time itself is the case, but it's also interest. It's how much you want to immerse yourself. Also, how authentic and how truthful you're going to be about. And you know that. You have girlfriends who do that all the time. They jerk themselves off about how awesome they are and how great they are. I'm just a strong woman. I just, <laughs> no, you're a bitch. You're a cunt. Yeah, that's why I have no friends. I don't have those <laughs> women as friends. I can't deal with that. I think the conversation from a woman is interesting the problem is that most of the women who are talking about this stuff are dishonest, unaware of themselves and who they are and the people who they are and how what they do affect people, which is a really interesting thing. Is I, have a, I have an estranged sister that lives with me. She's 77 years old. And her whole what? life, she was a cunt. She was an awful human being. She wasn't family run, never really looked out for me, didn't show up for my birthdays. Was it? And now what's interesting is I'm keeping her head afloat because she has no money or whatever. And so she lives in my house. What's interesting is she was dating this guy and the guy was verbally abusive. And he was a guy who, an older gentleman who he would repeat the same stories over and over again. And she would, I can't deal with it. And they were both very verbally abusive, 70 year olds cussing each other out, telling each other, fuck you, you bitch. Just, it was insane. Sounds like my favorite TV show or something. I would love this. <laughs> oh, it's, it's insane. But ultimately, he retired from the bus company. They were supposed to get married. They ended up breaking up. And now my sister is here in her room, dying alone. Uh, Because 77, there's 
Nobody wants no 77-year-old pussy. They don't? No, not even a 77-year-old man. He don't even want that. So the dynamics change in terms because what we see as as valid and important change is set up so that women have access to sex and intimacy and men have access to the relationship. So we don't have to be in a relationship or pursue unless we want to. And so what's a really crazy thing is that you really got to develop a personality because what happens is you're not always going to be 20 years old where we're going to overlook your stupidity or your uninterestingness or the fact that you have nothing to say or that you're not funny or you haven't been anywhere. Those things become important. That's how we stay together. And so you get this, my sister absolutely is going to dialogue. And we don't talk. So the only kind, only social contact she has is the dude who drops her groceries off and the dude who drops her laundry off. I hope she has 77-year-old hearing so she can't hear you talking shit. She's such <laughs> no, a cunt. I don't, I, like, here's the thing, Kristen. <laughs> I, love I'm like, I'm, I love this. It's like, what a cunt, but I'm going to take care of her. This is what it is to be human. Well, she's my sister, but we don't talk at all. And anytime that I've had to have a, like, she's such a horrible person that anytime I've had a conversation with him, oh, oh, you didn't say hello to me. And I was like, all right, look, bitch, you got to understand something. <laughs> I don't want to say hello to you anyway. You fucking up. So if you're going to make this hard, we could just not do it. I do not do awkward. So I'm not going to throw you out because I'm, I'm not a horrible person. But when you die, we will put you in a garbage bag and they will take you somewhere. I'm done. And what's interesting is I'm kind you know, there's never a situation where I'm out and, and somebody knows me from the podcast or something. And they go, oh, can I ask you a question? Yeah, sure. Ask me a question. I give it away for free all the time because it's respectful, because I approach, I get up in the morning, put my feet on the ground, and my intention is to be civil and kind, first and foremost. And you can or cannot be. You cannot be kind. You will not be civil, but we could be neutral or we could be friends. But if you want to be my enemy, my partner who does, I go, murder is on the table. Poison, <laughs> slander, espionage. If we're not cool, if you want to be my enemy, you better make sure. And there's a reason for that philosophy because I think, because I'm so damn nice when I'm nice. But you talk about balance, but I'm really nice. So I need to be able to go to the opposite end of that yeah, and be comfortable with it. I think what happens is you get people, they sometimes have a temper and they're not comfortable with their temper, so they're pushing it down and then it blows up. There's no balance in that. The confidence in me, uh, what I say is I embrace my lizard person. <laughs> in no shape or form is my intention for you to see that guy. But when you see him, it's on and pop. And I don't feel bad about it. Whatever happened, this is what you signed up for. And I think that balance in itself is attractive to a woman. Absolutely. I was just going to say we came full circle. We yeah. came totally full circle from the guy who puts the hand on the back to mm-hmm. I will fuck you up if you mess with my woman to yeah. I'm a nice guy again. But I find that people like you who say they embrace their lizard person, they usually mm. have the biggest hearts. So you can go... Yeah really one extreme, but it's because it's all heart, I feel like. So you're right. If a girl sees that through you, like you said at the beginning of the show, like it comes out of your pores. It really does. 
They yeah. can sense that realness, that honesty, and people crave the realness and the honesty because we sure. lack it. We lack it mm-hmm. so much. So when it's there, it's like finding a diamond. You're like, yeah. oh my God, what is this diamond doing on the sidewalk? And you got to pick it up because it's, it's so, what are the chances? So yeah, when you're yeah. that authentic and that honest, people want to quote unquote, pick you up. And I mean, yeah. in terms of dating you. In every way possible. Right, literally. And shitty people avoid you. Yes. At every cost because it, you don't give them the wiggle room to be shitty. Well, it's almost like you have these x-ray lasers yeah. or something coming out of your eyes and they can't fight it. You see them and they know they see you. Yes. And they can't fight it. Yeah. And so they go, listen, I'm not going to go. I'm not going down that road because I'm going to end up getting fucked up. I know I ain't shit. Right. I know I'm not going to do it. This motherfucker clearly is not going to play with me. It's not going to be a joke. I mean, what he says he means It's you know, I'm a stand-up comic and I tell... You know, people use too many words and I tell comics all the time because they'll be telling a joke and it'll be real wordy. And I say this all the time. I say, you get paid for your words. Why are you giving them away for free? Right. You get paid for those words. The frivolousness. So when you talk, you have to understand the words of power, but it's just literally like finance, supply and demand. If you yapping all the time, the value of your words have less value because it's so easy to obtain. All I got to do is, <clears throat> and you go, oh, are you okay? And it's this, again, giving of yourself and expecting nothing in return tells to somebody what your value is. If you give it away, now, I give a lot of myself, but if you don't appreciate it, it stops immediately. Like you, it's, I've done this I've had somebody say something slick to me. I had a girl say to me, I'm going to have to put my foot down. I go, you're going to put your foot down at your house because I'm taking you home. (laughs) Now, I'm still not going to kick you out the car. You know what I'm saying? Until you get a fucking cab. I'm going to make sure you get home, but you're going to put your foot down at home without me. I'm going to take you back where make sure you're safe, which is interesting because even the dynamic of me making sure you're safe is a subtext which creates the attraction even more. So now this chick yeah. is like, who the I know, fuck now is? she's all screwed up. Because yeah, she's like, yeah. no, I want to put my barefoot on, in your mouth now, not on the floor <laughs> in my house. But on that, I could talk to you forever. I really could keep going and going and going. But yeah. I have to cut it off because I have an appointment in three minutes with thing. someone. So, awesome. so please come back on when Marnie's here. You tell here. me I'm coming, I'm here. You know that. Okay, awesome. Because we appreciate you. So your words here are not wasted. And not Thank that your you words so are wasted nowhere, I'm sure, because you have so much wisdom. I try not to. I'm trying to do the right thing. Trying to live righteous, you know? You are. I appreciate it. You are. And people can see that, they can feel that, and they should listen to your podcast, Man School 202. And yes. hit you up on Twitter, hit you up on Instagram. You're on all those things. Yeah, I'm on Dante Nero on, on the Dante Nero on, on Instagram, everything else. If you Google me, you can find me. And we got the YouTube page, just clips from the show and different people and stuff like that. We've been doing it for like nine years. So it's, we've been doing this a long time. Amazing. Amazing. Well, thank you so much for having me on your show Thanks before. Thanks for having and then, me. Appreciate you. Yeah. One of my faves. So you guys can download new episodes of the Ask Women podcast every Thursday at 5 p.m. Pacific. Don't download individually. Subscribe so you can get them all directly into your phone, ready to go. Share the show with a friend. And uh, if you need any help from me, hit me up at kristinandchill.com. I can help whip your banter skills into shape. 
Dante Nero. It's been a pleasure. And we will see you guys next week.